Hello and welcome to Spooky Season. It's Halloween week, and instead of fresh meat, we thought we'd bring you a true, you love to see it classic, our Hellraiser episode from last year. This is one of our most favorite episodes of an all-time favorite movie, so I hope you enjoy it as LB, Merritt, and I sift through this kinky, creepy Clive Barker masterpiece. We'll be back next week with something new, but until then, come to daddy. And welcome to You Love to Scream It, a podcast where we watch horror TV shows and movies and tell you all about them. I am your host, Danielle Riendo, and I am thrilled to bring you uh, a couple of co-hosts that I would I am just so happy to have along with this journey to watch one of my favorite movies of all time. I have Helby Hunk Tears. What's up? I've got some sights to show you. <laughs> Good. And I, I guess I don't know how to make your name hellish, Merit. Uh Scare it. Scary, Scare- Merit Kay. <laughs> Scare- there we go. Uh, uh, alongside me here. And today we are watching, again, one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, Hellraiser from 1987. We're going to do a content warning here. This was just like kind of kink, sex, blood, family stuff. That's Those are the content warnings uh, for this one. And of course, I'm going to go into the sort of usual description here. Uh, and then we're going to talk about this fucking gem of a 1987 uh, film. Hellraiser is a 1987 British supernatural horror film written and directed by Clive Barker and produced by Christopher Figg based on Barker's novella, The Hellbound Heart. The film marked Barker's directorial debut and it is involving, it involves a puzzle box which summons the Cenobites, a murderous group from another dimension who cannot differentiate between pain and pleasure. They are led by the lead Cenobite, played by Doug Bradley and identified in the sequels as Pinhead. Okay, so I've already said this is one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, but LB and Mary, I want to hear about your sort of history with Hellraiser and sort of how, how you feel on re-watching it here in, here in 2020. LB, do you want to start? Yeah, uh, it is also one of my all-time favorite movies. Oh, awesome. As I have uh, mentioned before, I was a... Uh, didn't get into horror until I was like a kind of an older teenager because uh, I was so scared of everything as a little kid. Um, so I actually didn't see Hellraiser until I was an adult. But since then, I have watched it every year oh uh, and I God. watch it every time it becomes the spooky season. <laughs> uh, I don't even mean to. It's like that and Suspiria are the two where it's just like, eh, it's, uh, you know, I'm not doing anything. It's October 30th or whatever. <laughs> Time to watch Hellraiser again. Yeah. Uh, I love it. It's great. I'm a big Clive Barker fan. Um, it's, it's the best. It's Hellraiser. Fuck yeah. Merritt, how about you? So I think I first saw this movie about two years ago. And mm. it was with you. It and was it when was... we watched it. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
let me just bring up my letterbox and see when it was exactly <laughs> that I watched Hellraiser because oh, um, nice. oh new from friends Hellraiser LB Hunter's five stars cool um, <laughs> so uh, edit my review okay I watched it almost exactly two years ago um, on September oh. 18th 2018 and um, nice this was sort of at the beginning of our exploration of 80s horror, which I think I've said before is how I got into horror movies because yeah. I also was a big baby, but I was a baby up until my being a full grown-ass adult. Um, I saw September a few horror 18th, movies. 2018. Until September 18th. <laughs> I think we had watched, um, I think we had eased into it. I think maybe we had watched like some of the nightmare movies first. Yeah. Um, because Hellraiser, I will say... Well. Yeah. Hellraiser is more upsetting than like a nightmare on Elm Street. It's like way more gory and um less like it's it doesn't have like the goofy energy of like a Freddy, right? Yeah. Um it's played seriously. And now in retrospect a lot of it because of the aesthetics of it are kind of uh schlocky, but I still think you can watch it and be uh frightened by it. I yeah, and I loved it. Um, I think what I said in my review at the time was that it's a horror movie where the action is driven by a British woman in power suits and sunglasses being horny. <laughs> that is to say, yeah. it's good. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. And um, I have also seen the sequel, but there are nine sequels to yeah, this movie. That's, the, that's wild. Um, and I've only seen... Uh, I believe I've only seen the second one. Um, yeah. And there are, there are so many more. <laughs> <laughs> I think after the second one, I, I genuinely have not watched any of them after the second one. I love the second one. I'm one of those people who actually really enjoys the second one, even though it is like high camp instead of, like you said, played relatively, huh, played straight-ish. Um <laughs> But it, uh, they start becoming, like, they're called angels instead of Cenobites. There's a whole fucking thing well, that happens, like, after the second one. It, yeah, so basically. the first one, I feel like, is the purest instantation of um, the premise. Because yeah. in the first one, the Cenobites aren't demons, exactly. They're, like, aliens, kind of. They're from another dimension, and... They describe themselves as like explorers of like the furthest realm of sensation. And um, in the second movie, they're just demons from hell. Right. Like they're straight up just demons from literal hell and they punish people for doing shit. Whereas I feel like the, but, well, the first people one who go to hell and then they become yes, the demon. Yes. It's like a weird fucking. But yeah, I feel they, like they start changing shit. I feel like yeah. the first one. Um, yeah. yeah the premise is like much more interesting of like, they're not malicious. Like they're not no, no. evil. Um, they just, they're, they're amoral by our standards. They're just doing their thing. They're yeah, just doing, doing their, their thing. thing. And they didn't ask for consent to rip. Well, no, actually sort of, they did like, because you, you did the box. You did the yeah. box. So if you do the box, you are going to get ripped apart by hooks. There's no safe words though. No. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. No. 
Yeah, I think if they imp- if they implemented safe words, the Cenobites would be perfect. They would yeah. be like unproblematic. Yeah, I would like. Yeah, exactly. They'd be unproblematic. They'd be my buddies. I don't mean perfect as in perfect horror monsters because they're perfect horror monsters. No, as is. right. Yeah, but as in perfect homies for me. Yeah, <laughs> to hang out with safe words to hang out with. Just implement safe words. Yeah. So, have you read the novella, The Hellbound movie? Heart? No. no. Yeah, The Hellbound Heart. I have. It's uh, Ooh, tell, one of the few tell. books. The more it's one of the sexual. Few books that I'm like, I need to own this in hard copy. Yeah. Um. So I just have to like the tor- the way that they the torture is different in the book. I understand why they couldn't do this in the movie, but it's so fucking cool. Ooh. Where basically like they do get full on consent consent. Okay. From Frank. Okay. They're like, are you sure? You know, there's no going back. Do you understand that? And he's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's get it. (laughs) And uh, they basically just like, they're like, okay. And all of a sudden, like his ability to feel like his senses all just get turned up to like a fucking billion. And he is basically driven crazy by like the feeling of air on his skin. And like, there's a tiny piece of meat in his teeth from his last meal and like a little bit of the, it describes like uh, a little bit of gravy, like falling out of the, off of the tiny bit of meat into his mouth. And it's just like too fucking much. And he just loses his shit. And I'm just like, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love it so much. Like everything, you know, like it's the si- like sounds just super loud. It's just so fucking cool. I love Clive Barker. I, yeah. I love He's this. He's wonderful. I love this movie also. He's incredible. And, uh, yeah, like yeah, first this, movie, first movie. This directed. is his directorial debut. Yeah, he was. There were Clive Barker movies before, but he was so unsatisfied with them that he was like, "I'm gonna do it this time." All right, I'll roll up my sleeves. I guess Clive's got to do the job now. And um, <laughs> the, yeah, the making of this movie and the reception of it are so weird and interesting. And we can get into like the summary of the plot, but like, it's a it was really divisive when it was released. Um, Roger Ebert fucking hated it because he's a trash man really? who doesn't know anything about movies. Um, and yeah, the adaptation was really difficult because it's really sexual, like in the book. Um, yeah. And the original cut was a way more violent and B way more sexual. And they took out a bunch of stuff because it was originally rated X. Um, and so they cut a bunch of scenes for an R rating. Even so it was, uh, I think it was banned in Ontario, in Canada, Ontario. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it was, um, I think they cut out a bunch of stuff later and it, then it came out as with an R rating. Um, but yeah, a lot of people hated it. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people said like, this is like one of the best horror movies that's ever been made. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, why don't we just get into it? Yeah. Yeah, I just want to I want to give briefly my my quick uh, oh, yeah, history with it as well. That Oh yeah, no. No problem. I, I already said that it's one of my favorites, but I like Elby, I watch this every October. Well, I guess I I guess 2 years ago it was in September technically, but it's fine. <laughs> um I watched it first a few years ago on Halloween night cuz I had never seen it and I was utterly transfixed. Like to me this is one of the queerest uh sort of horror movies especially of its era and especially in terms of i mean i, I feel like the the 
pretty express content here is that this is a movie about people who want things that they're not supposed to have in like a boring, miserable, vanilla, you know, heteronormative world. Um, And the only way you could do that is to do that with horror, like through a horror lens. And that's kind of the only way Clive Barker could get this onto celluloid. And like, to your point, um, Merritt, just to, just to get this part out of the way in terms of like the making of the movie, Here's a great interview that Barker did uh, in Sam Hain magazine, apparently in July of 87, mm. not long after it came out, uh, about the censors. And he said, well, we did have a slight problem with the eroticism. I shot a much hotter flashback se- uh, sequence than they would allow us to cut in. Mine was more explicit and less violent. They wanted to substitute one kind of undertow for another. I had a much more explicit sexual encounter between Frank and Julia, but they said, no, let's take out the sodomy and put the flick in, put in the flick knife. Uh, which is utterly just everything about, you know, uh, American and I, I suppose also Canadian culture and, and what's acceptable to put on screen and see and look at. Uh, so, yeah, I also only came to this movie as an adult, even though Pinhead had like, I swear to God, I've seen Pinhead action figures and like, oh, yeah, like goofy, you know, bits and pieces oh, no, of yeah. Pinhead and a, him, yeah. you know, talking and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like that's that's all over the culture, and then I never sat down and to watch it until a few years ago, uh, you know, as a person in their thirties, and was just like, "Oh, this is gay, this is queer, this is transgressive, and this is absolutely fucking beautiful." And I will watch this every year. <laughs> so that's my that's my feeling about it. Um, not to like trump it up too much here, uh, but it really is fucking awesome. So the movie actually begins. Um, with one of my only kind of complaints about it is that it, this is pretty Orientalist, uh, the sort of like, oh, Frank is in some, uh, you know, foreign land. It's like a very like Indiana Jones marketplace kind of scene uh, where he is uh, getting the lament configuration, the the puzzle box that unleashes the sort of uh, hell dimension, the hell realm, the chaos realm, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, you know... The uh, the gentleman that he's talking to is like, it's yours. And he walks away and he says, it always was. And then we get an image of Frank, you know, he set up his little like meditation lair, I guess. <laughs> All these candles, really, really stark, uh, like dark space. And he starts playing with the limit configuration and his fingernails are really dirty. Let's just be honest. Like Frank, Frank does not care for cleanliness. Uh, he won't throughout the film, which is another sort of signifier of what's going on here, but he starts playing with it and he starts putting the puzzle together and he's really sweaty and he's clearly like very excited and he puts it together and we get these like incredible wind chime effects. We get all this like incredible sound design and, Fish hooks, I think they're fish hooks, pierce his skin and he is torn apart. And soon after, the Cenobites come in and sort of examine the damage. They put him back together in, sort of, they put his face back together. uh, And then they all disappear to some sort of realm. So, uh, pretty cool opening. Uh, Really, really gets right in there. This is a very tight movie, I should say. It's a 93-minute movie that does not waste any time uh, getting going and getting moving. Uh, how do y'all feel about this intro? Just 
fucking cool, gross dude, <laughs> shirtless guy with candles, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> We're not even five minutes in, hooks her in his skin, let's do it. This is this is how a movie should be paced. I'm like fine <laughs> with something that if it's on the level, if it's on the level of like a hereditary or a midsummer being like fucking long as shit. Yeah. But if unless you're unless you want to do something that's that if you're that good at being that intense and long, like let's all just try and keep it to 93. Because <laughs> you can do so much and you can be so cool and so awesome. Okay, maybe they cut out some of the other stuff. So it could have, like, original Cloud Barker version maybe was 95 minutes, 97 Sure, minutes. Who sure. knows? It's just a few shots there, apparently, uh, at least yeah, in the sequence yeah. I was talking so about. perfect. So 94, whatever. Like, this is how I want a movie paced. I want hooks and skin in the first five minutes. <laughs> Thank you. Love it. Sweaty, shirtless, gross, dirty nailed, immediately torn apart. Mwah. No complaints. <laughs> how about you, Merritt? I forget how much they get into it at this point, but I love the idea that this guy is like that Frank is has to dive into like the forbidden pleasures after like I feel like in the movie he hasn't like done that much. Like he's fucked like maybe like a couple of ladies at once and done some <laughs> yeah. drugs and he's like, Well, I guess that's it. That's that's the <laughs> highest I can aspire to on this world. I have to reach out to other planes now if I want the forbidden pleasures of being torn apart by hooks um i think he thought he was gonna get a sexy lady i think that's in the book um where he's like oh i thought it was gonna be a sexy lady that came out of the box because that's the forbidden pleasure that i can imagine that's how big my brain is um i mean he does get a sexy lady and i believe it's pretty gnarly if i remember right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read it also in the in the book pinhead is not a dude Mm -hmm. right yeah is a uh is a yeah is a genderless figure right yeah a genderless figure with like a girly voice yeah like a high breathy feminine voice yeah and then there's some like vaginal body horror early on that i'm not gonna read on you gotta (laughs) you gotta you just gotta you gotta (laughs) it's uh of one of the most effective openings since you know another uh uh, directorial debut that we watched last week. <laughs> Frankly, it's the opposite type of incredibly uh, effective intro, but it's it, it sure works. It works well. And not long after this, we are introduced to the fucking normie Larry, played by Andrew Robinson, who is a delight in life. Would later go on to play uh, Garrick on uh, Deep Space Nine and actually direct a lot of Star Trek episodes. So Trekkies know him as Garrick, uh, the uh, pansexual spy in Deep Space Nine. But here he is just the most fucking normie-ass normie. And, of course, his... What? Uh, he's Garrick? Yeah, he's Garrick! <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, he Larry's looks so, so different without all, his, without all the garbage on his face. Without all the lizard makeup, you know? <laughs> and all the, like... Yep. I can't... Yeah, I know. What it's an opposite. icon! It's an opposite. What an icon! Truly, what like? Wow! Did you? Wow! I'm, I'm queer, like an icon of this. queer nerd hearts. Yeah, like because the like the Garrick Bashir shippers and the like really hardcore Hellraiser people feel like maybe they're not always the same people, but they are like maybe they're like date each other. They go to the same bars. 
you know? Yeah. They go yeah. to this, like, they hang out in the same rooms at the con, you know? Like, <laughs> exactly. They go to the same room parties at the sci fi convention. They like, might know Klingon, <sighs> you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, 100%. Uh, and this is a delightful performance. Um, I read this all the time as as a you love to hate him kind of performance because I think he's the real villain here, of course, because I do. Uh, but yeah, he he's just like the most boring asshole corporate 80s man with his unbearably hot, frigid uppity. That's how she's described, at least in some places. Wife, Julia, who does not want to be in this place. They're coming to this same exact house where Frank has done his dirty deed and gotten torn apart. Um, and this is like the family home, apparently. And, you know, for whatever reason, uh, Larry decided to move to move the fam back to London. And this is a point. Is that of where they are? They're in London. And apparently they ADR'd out a whole bunch of the British accents from other actors. But Julia still has oh her God. accent. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> Go ahead, Mary. So, yeah. No, I was just saying, yeah, that is one of the okay. weird Sorry, things I thought you were movie, about to say something. that they did just, like, redub some of the lines. Yeah. That's kind of weird. <sighs> yeah, and there's a lot of things, especially between uh, Kirsty, which is the uh, young adult daughter of, of um, our, our buddy here, Mr. Normie, and her boyfriend. Like, they have this whole thing about, like, they, they have all these lines about British people, and he has an American accent. It's really okay, weird. that explains so much. It's I've so always wondered because he has like the most fundamentally British energy. Mm-hmm. Like they have Larry's inexplicably adult daughter Kirsty, um, <laughs> who's super American. Uh, they moved to London, which explains that makes a lot of sense that they're in London. Uh, she gets this like boyfriend at a dinner party who looks yeah. like like the secondary synth player in <laughs> any British New Wave video. <laughs> yeah. Like he has this like kind of boyish, medium level good look charm yeah. of like, yeah, just British guy. Yep. And he inexplicably has an American accent. And, and not, but it was, they redubbed it because yeah. the movie was too sexual and just, they're like, here's the things that's not going to fly. They have to you like, love the body out, horror. And they have to take out the anal sex and take out the British accent and put in a knife instead. You can't have all these British voices. Like, <laughs> it's just not going to fly. The, the stop motion rebuilding of a human body. Love oh. that. That's, I think we, audiences are going to go crazy for that. But a British, too many British accents. People are, it's, listen, listen, kid. Listen, Clive, kiddo. You got Moxie. I'll tell you that. You got but Moxie, kid. You got Moxie. You got Moxie putting this many British voices in a movie. It's not going to fly. It's not going to fly in middle America. Yeah. They don't, in middle America, they don't like anal sex and they don't like the English. That's what it is. <laughs> Those are the two things that they don't like. Those are the two things that will not play in Peoria. That's what it is. It's really true. Anal sex and English Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, God. I love this so very much. Well, we soon learn as we're walking around the house that Julia's been here before. She's been to the family house before. It It was around the time she married Larry. And who came in in the rain? But Frank sexy hot wet frank who comes in and he's like well can i come in can i come in or what he's just this gruff like american hot guy with like a very you know 
very Jeff Goldblum haircut at the time and, and all this other kind of stuff. They have a hot, hot affair, which apparently, again, a lot of footage was cut from it. It was much more explicit in an earlier cut. Um, it's just like, it's, it's a pretty basic depiction of like pretty basic kink stuff. Apparently they cut out a lot of like spanking and, and other stuff that's happening. And after their encounter, Frank is sitting there sullenly saying, it's not enough. It's never enough. Which, like, again, it's the thesis of this film, I think, at least part of the thesis of this film, which is, like, very relatable. Poor Frank just can never get enough. Uh, spanking's not enough for this man. Uh, but, of course, because it's a movie from the 80s that eventually got an R rating, we probably could never put on film a lot of the other things that he's tried. So it's one of those kind of like, oh, the fact that this man has erotic statues and pictures of of hot ladies he's slept with, that means he's a bad boy and also he's into kink. Um, so, yeah, again, it's this indictment of uh, being different and having different appetites and uh, different sexuality and so on and so forth. But... Julia just ain't happy. She's clearly bored out of her fucking mind with Larry, who is just so happy, um, you know, to be back in the old family home, uh, which, again, he has an American accent. So maybe he just like this was a summer home. I, I don't know. It's there's a lot of confused accent stuff. We've already gone into that soon enough. Uh, they are moving in to the the uh, the house. And Kirsty has been called and uh, adult daughter Kirsty is going to come hang out with dad and see Julia and they don't get along super well. That's established really early on. Uh, Kirsty is not Julia's daughter. Uh, she is uh, from a previous marriage uh, where the uh, wife has died. That's not super important, but I guess it, it, it kind of bears somewhat saying while moving, while doing the worst job anybody's ever done in the history of the universe of putting a mattress up a staircase with three people, Honestly, this, like, offends me on many levels as somebody who moves much heavier things up and down, much more difficult staircases, but it's fine. He cuts his hand badly in one of the more graphic shots, actually, it's to this It's so point. gross. This is gross. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. LB, LB and Mary, tell, talk. I've been talking too much. Uh, how, how do you feel about this? Uh, I mean, I do have to say, like, the Frank stuff... That like I I I always do get the energy that it's like he hasn't actually tried anything that cool. Mm-hmm. He's just like a gross sex tourist. Yeah, and like like all his he has these photos of just being like, look at all these different lands I've been to and all these different like different ethnic ladies I've mm-hmm. fucked, and mm-hmm. it's not enough. It's like yeah, because you're disgusting. <laughs> that's why because you haven't tried anything actually cool. At least that's like the, that's the that's the read of Frank I always do. Frank because, didn't have the pleasure of the internet at this point. He just thinks he's cool because he's... Honestly, Frank, honestly, Frank, you could have picked up uh, a fucking, one, a copy of one of the many underground magazines that existed long before 1987 and seen what the whole world has to offer you. Like, I don't think, like, Frank has never read Boot Lover's Digest. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're probably right. I, it's it's one I mean, of that's those my read of oh, Frank. Sorry, my read of Frank is someone who has not read Boot Lover's Digest. <laughs> and, yeah, like, um, yeah. I mean, he's clearly so like an asshole, and we're not supposed to like him watching the movie either way. So, like, I think that supports that pretty well. I guess I just have this like, maybe it's just because I, I came to this as like the gayest person who's ever lived, and and saw a little bit of that like. 
oh, a little bit of that internalized homophobia, a little bit of that, like, you're oh, a yeah, fucking weirdo like for liking certain things, like, in him. But that might just yeah. be because I'm sympathetic to that point of view, for sure. I mean, I think that's legit. And I think that's, like, a way of, I think that's a way of, a totally valid way of reading it. But, like, I don't think Frank is, or at least we're not given any indication that Frank is living that living that is like he's trying any of the the things that he does need (laughs) yeah yeah he's not living his truth he's like trying all these things in these and like and it's not satisfying so maybe like maybe if you tried the cool stuff frank maybe if you'd gotten gotten fisted yeah like an adult yeah frank come on yeah frank how can you say you've tried it all like, come on, yeah. Frank. Like, you don't summon the sin bites. Like, that's, like, that's really jumping the shark here, Frank. There's a lot of shit it doesn't seem like you've tried Yeah, yet. Frank's like a guy who uh, gets into something, like, gets into a hobby, and um, is like, yeah, I've, I've, like, enjoyed some of this. I'm going to go out and spend $10,000 on, like, some, <laughs> on, like, a jet ski and just get really into jet skiing. And then it's like, God, yeah. you could have just rented one first or, like, you know, <laughs> tried it. It's such a good point. Yeah, it's very true. I also realize I'm also that kind of person, so maybe I'm just seeing. I mean, I'm that kind of. I am also that kind of. I'm also that kind of person, but I have I have like really bad imposter syndrome, so I would never summon the Cenobites unless I had done so much homework because I'd be worried that I'd be embarrassed. Yeah, no, that's real. That's real. You don't want to fucking go to the Cenobites and be like, I spanked somebody once. Like they will just tell you to go home. Honestly, at I that feel point, like that's why they're so mean to him. That's why they just tear him apart immediately, and they just like don't try anything cool. They're like, you suck. Fra- bye goodbye but Frank. it's like we, no, we are all like we're given these little pieces and like uh, the way everyone consumes anything is like we project ourselves onto it and we yeah. lead into it what we want so it's cool that we all see different yeah the different the different frank. franks you know the different franks what's your frank like merit how is your frank cotton <laughs> <laughs> how's the frank cotton in your heart um yeah i mean no i'm kind of of the I can see both sides here. I can see like the the Clyde Barker trying <laughs> to like the Frank centrist. I'm a Frank centrist. I think there are good good Franks on both sides. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. Uh, it it does it does make me always wonder like with regards to this and and so many other things like with fewer limitations culturally if Clive Barker like young Clive Barker would have made something different like if he actually could put everything on film and not be yelled at by the censors for things as like frankly fucking not that out there as like two scenes of anal sex or something you know two shots of something like that like clearly this is never like hardcore porn so it's not like you're actually showing all that much but like if he actually could show more signifiers even like, what would he put there? But that's impossible to know without talking to Mr. Barker, of course. So, uh, yeah, Jordan has a very good My question. My DMs are open. How would we even know it was anal to begin with? Apparently, there was, like, some suggestion. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. And now we've summoned everyone in the <laughs> fanbite chat here. And uh, it's really good. I want everybody to know that this is happening in real time. And it's very, very good. Um, so the blood, uh, there's a really, really, uh, intense scene here, not just the, the blood itself. I do think that's a really good and, and pretty realistic looking, frankly, effect. Um, Larry is afraid of looking at blood. So he jumps, he runs up, you know, to this attic and he's like, Julia, you, you have to look at it. I can't even look at this. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to faint. And she tries to kind of take care of him. 
but some of that blood splashes into the this like old crappy attic uh flooring and that somehow either summons or reanimates or awakes or feeds or something happens here that is wonderfully uh wonderfully vague uh and frank kind of comes back his organs start coming back in this like reverse melting kind of scene where his his bones and his organs begin to kind of come together so i'm gonna i want to let uh y'all talk about this one as well this scene is so fucking gross it rules (laughs) it's so good like this must be the most expensive part of the movie it has to be i don't this it's like the thing level visual effects um it's just so grotesque and wonderful and like the seeing him in various states of like having regenerated from the inside out is the best part of the movie i think it's so good yeah lb what do you think this is the sickest shit (laughs) yeah i love this i love this it's like i remember watching this for the first time and being like Oh, oh, <laughs> body horror. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this, like the stop motion is so satisfying. It's just fucking cool and gross and slimy. Yeah. And there's like, there are these elements of it, of this movie, these little pieces that feel very like fantasy, like fantasy genre. Like, yeah. Like, where I feel like I'm, my breath is taken away by, like, the wonder. Like, oh, so many things could be possible. Amazing. <laughs> but it's, like, gnarly and gross. And, yeah. like, this is one of those where I'm just, like, I feel like a child looking at the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And, like, you know, anime sparkles as my eyes go wide. Yeah. That is how I feel about this sequence. I just, like, it's the, it's the coolest thing in the world to me. And, like, not to be... Uh too gross or anything but i there are times in ems when you see like a really weird or funky injury and i i i will say i have the instinct that i have in a horror movie where you just want to look at it like you have that little bit of weird i (laughs) so i don't want to sound like i'm some kind of like i I don't get off to other people's pain or anything like that like let's be clear i daniela In a medical setting, are you I am very a cenobite? <laughs> you have to tell us if you're a cenobite. I, I have something to tell. Otherwise, you it's entrapment. <laughs> I uh, look. I know I your boss and everything, and like, but here, here's the. Tr- I need to just be open with my truth. I'm a cenobite. I've been a cenobite my whole life. I, uh, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time in the hell dimension. You know, people ask me how I have time to do everything, and it's because I'm yeah. just like a transdimensional alien. That's what Damn. it is. I kind of yeah. always suspected, though. Yeah, yeah. I figure. I, I feel like I don't hide things that well. So, yeah, I think uh, feels good getting that off my chest, to be honest. Uh, and and now it's real. Um, but yeah, there is this like sick like feeling of like wonder of like, oh, this is how things come together. <laughs> like this is how the body is constructed. And wow, it's kind of amazing to behold. It is gross and sometimes uh, a little terrifying, but it can also be that kind of magic that you're talking about, LB, of like, oh my God, (laughs) like this is like a secret of the universe or something that, you know, we don't always see this kind of stuff, but like seeing it feels wild 
to me. So yeah, this movie does this so so well. Uh, My guy looks like especially. evil slim good body. Okay, like. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're correct about that that is correct uh <laughs> that's that's amazing i uh i love it uh we have uh some interplay here after uh, this happens with kirsty and we have this dinner party that is just the fucking worst dinner party ever where larry is just being the most obnoxious white dude with his stupid friends kirsty is somehow attracted to this incredibly british man who puts cigarettes in his mouth uh, and closes his mouth and then opens his mouth again. And, you know... He's cute. Like, as somebody who is attracted to dudes, like, if this is sure. cute. He's got good boy energy. Like, he seems like he'd be supportive and put his denim jacket on you and believe yeah. you if something was going wrong and, like, not talk to you too much about his own boring synth music. Um, <laughs> but, like, you could still go to his synth band. Like, his, like, the lead singer is, like, really annoying, but, like, he's cool. Yeah. And you'll go to the shows. Like this, I get I get the appeal I get the appeal of this very bland man. Sure. I completely his hair is so fluffy also. Yeah, he's a sweetheart and he uh He's so boring though. He is very boring. It, it does feel like the heteros in this movie are 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 boring. I'm sorry. They they feel boring. Like heterosexuality without like Cenobite level kink in this movie is like presented as being pretty fucking boring. Um, and I and I and I tend to agree, but I'm also very biased, and I and I will but maybe not. He's hotter, maybe young. he was hotter with the British accent, also. Yeah, that's like, probably a lot of because it. Because him looking yeah. that British and having an American accent is really off-putting. That's the problem. And I feel like without that, like he would actually just be pure synth pop good boy energy. Yeah, and I'd yeah. be fully on board with Steve. Yeah. And he might be down for things you don't know. Like he might be. So it's it's fine. Kirsty should get hers. Steve is way more likely to have copies of Boot Lovers Digest than Frank was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just gonna say it. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Cause he he's not like trying to fucking advertise it. That's why. Like he's not he doesn't need to tell everybody. He doesn't need to show everybody his little like uh sexy statues and things. Like he's got nothing to prove. He's got nothing to prove. Except that he can put a cigarette in his own mouth. Yeah. Which that, is actually kinda That's like, his flex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cigarettes in the mouth that, like, just, you know, just immediately ashtray-coated boy. Actually, no, I'm fully on board with Steve now. LBS <laughs> <laughs> can convince themselves. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to be that. It's no. not a Hellraiser episode. I get to be this. I get to, like, as a treat. Yes. Like as a treat, true. I get to call a, ca- a movie character ashtray-coated <laughs> and, uh, and say that I'm on board with Steve. Steve Hellraiser. You know, we're all about living our truths here. I'm a Cenobite. You like Steve Hell. It's fine. <laughs> oh, God. Steve Hell. Kind of a callback <laughs> to uh, <laughs> a great meme <laughs> from 20 years ago. <laughs> Steve Hell. I mean, but uh, we're, we're, all, we're all in our 30s here. It's fine. Mm-hmm. We're all in well, our Danielle 30s. Well, Danielle is unfathomable. Good. Danielle's age yeah. is unfathomable. Because That's of true. The yeah. number doesn't exist in human terms. The Hell. So. The hell thing. It's a hell. It's a hell number that only kind of a Hellboy hell. situation. You yeah, seen Hellboy? It's kind of like a Hellboy. Yeah, he's born in the fifties, but he still looks like he's like thirty all the time, and it's fine. And yeah. super buff, just like Danielle. Yeah, just like me. Exactly. See, so it's like a Hellboy. I'm I'm a Hellboy Hellraiser Cenobite. That's me. That's my truth, and I'm living it. Um, a <laughs> Kirstie, Hellraiser. Kirstie's living her truth because she calls her dad when she has a nightmare. Um, which is not a thing I do, but like, 
they have she a very special about her relationship. Dad. And she does call him daddy, which in 1987, was that less of a thing? She's I appropriating don't know. it. Like, let's be honest here. She is appropriating <laughs> that term. <laughs> she might be. But it's okay uh, because Clive be. Barker wrote it. So he it's okay. Yeah. That's yeah. true. He's al- he's allowed to do that. Yeah. Um <laughs> not long after the uh uh nightmare scene, which is really well shot. Actually, it's like poetically uh beautiful gore in a way that the sort of viscera scene not too long before that was much more going for the gore effect. This is like slow motion and feathers and blood and and, and that kind of thing. And I always kind of wonder, are we supposed to think that Kirsty is like a little bit psychic or has, you know, I don't know, a little bit of the shining in her or like it, it's something? Because she has this sort of weird premonition nightmare before I believe the first uh, killing. So it's always kind of like one of those, like, does she, does she kind of know things? She kind of, she's down with things. Uh, there's also all these hints that like all the weird stuff, including the weird sex stuff in Frank's uh, little uh, hidey hole. Larry's always like, oh, well, Kirstie would love this, which is a weird thing for a dad to say about his daughter. I think maybe, but hey. Wait, was that about the sex stuff or about like his own mom's like weird, random, like Catholic kitsch? Oh, good call. I thought his- I thought there was a whole lot of all of it, like kind of all over the place. But I may be just off here. But I mean, he also is like, he also grins really gross uh, at dinner party when Ashtray Steve says, like, makes like an innuendo at Kirstie. He's like, oh yeah, my daughter's gonna fuck. It's like, dude, boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries, my man, Larry. And and it'll come up later, as of course, towards the very, very end of the film with the come to daddy line. Yeah. So we've got a lot of daddy stuff going on here. I'm just, I'm just mentioning that already. Um, as the movie uh, rolls right along, Julia, and this is right after the dinner party, actually, Julia goes up to the attic and encounters, uh, <laughs> what did what did you call him? Uh, evil Slim Goodbody <laughs> encounters, mm-hmm. encounters uh, Frank in this state. And Frank keeps saying, don't look at me, don't look at me. Because, like, you know, Frank is sexy and he's not looking his best at the moment. He's just sort of a, a blood... Uh, demon thing. He's uh, the blood Another demon. thing that Frank has not figured out yet is body positivity. Exactly. Like, once again, showing that he is how unready he was to summon the Cenobites. Yeah. Yeah. I he did not agree. do his homework. So yeah, he's not body positive. So he's ashamed of his evil slim good body look, which is totally valid. Yep. Listen, yep. if you're listening to this and you don't have skin or muscles or barely any viscera and you're just kind of like some slimy bones, yeah. you're valid as fuck. Yeah, I'm ready to... Uh, I'm gonna disagree. I think um, I think you're not. I, don't, I think it's not valid to just be a walking hell man. I think you should probably see a doctor um, if you don't have a skin, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, or I, feast on some corpses to get your skin back. Right, which is of course what he uh, sort of really uh, hilariously just posits to Julia, like, "Oh, the blood brought me back, so." You know, give me some more. <laughs> it's just choppy, like choppy, that. more blood. <laughs> Piece of shit. He also uh, feasts on rats, which is a thing that happens here as well. So, yeah. So, uh, he gets Julia uh, to uh, start doing a murder. Julia goes out, and I this scene creeps uh, me out maybe more than anything else in the it's whole It's the movie. grossest shit. 
Yeah. Does somebody else want to uh, take this one to take this scene? Julia going to the bar to pick up victim number one. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we get Julia looking cool as fuck in this like <laughs> mustard button down with a like beaded necklace. These big like tortoise shell uh, star shaped like earrings. They're huge. She's got her like her hair is looking big and eighties. She's got sunglasses on indoors when she's drinking, <laughs> and this like just slimy little like just shitty bald guy. Just this like just the worst guy. Like and not in like a like in that kind of I don't want to say beta, but like this kind of. Nice guy, nice. I'm a nice, normal, slimy guy who wants to fuck you in the middle of the day at a bar. Oh what? In a suit. And she, like, he, like, fl- flirts with her and then she takes him home and they, like, kiss and it's just oh, it's disgusting. So gross. And they, like, the oh. way they have the audio, like, the kissing is so loud. And I also have, like, my really good audio, I have my really good, I had my really good headphones on, which is, often great not great for this because i could just oh yeah yeah the audio of the kissing is the most disgusting thing in this whole movie yeah it really is and and like how much she's so clearly she's so disgusted she's so disdainful she fucking hates this guy she hates doing this she's like her performance is amazing unimpeachable her outfits in this performance unimpeachable julia we fucking stand like she's incredible she is so grossed out and like you can tell she's freaked out about having to do this murder and let this horrible normal dude like the thing is that he's not that horrible is that he's just this normal guy she doesn't want to fuck well the, he also the does horror, there is this moment of of him like losing his temper with her and he's like yeah i know don't tell me you're gonna fucking say no or whatever right paraphrasing so it's like yeah he can he can fucking he eat yeah he sucks yeah. but like the, there's nothing immediately like horrifying or disgusting about him. He's very like boring and mundane. It's a very boring, mundane kind of horror as opposed to like all of the very dramatic, fancy body horror, leather horror, crazy stuff in the rest of the movie mm-hmm. where like the mo- the horror of just like making out with a boring dude you don't want to fuck is actually like the most visceral horror in the whole thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, and like you're like, and it just takes forever to get for her to get him up to the non bedroom where Frank is hanging out, and she has to like lock the door and convince the guy it's totally normal. There's no bed in there. It's just this gnarly uh-huh. rat infested empty <laughs> room. Uh, she's like, no, don't you just like, don't you just, I've always preferred having sex on the floor. Haven't you? And he's just like this bald, boring guy. And he's like, Oh yeah, of course. I love the floor. Um, and then finally he like, he's like, Oh no, I have to go to the bathroom. And he turns around and she grabs a hammer and you're like, Oh, thank God. It took forever. At least that's how I feel watching the scene. Yeah, no, like, I'm just waiting for her to get on with it because I don't want her to have to kiss him anymore. Yeah. It just sucks. And then he gets eaten. And my favorite part happens, which is like one of my favorite shots in cinema history, which is Julia like taking the shirt off in the bathroom and looking at herself in the mirror. And she's like splattered in blood and like makes eye contact with herself. Yeah. yeah. What a performance. It's incredible. 
uh, just to, just to get her name in there, just so we give her proper uh, proper props, is uh, Claire Higgins is uh, Claire the Higgins, actress. Yeah, great work, uh, incredible, incredible performance here, really. Uh, and also, like, it it really feels. And again, like, tell me if I'm wrong or I'm reading too much into it, but like, it feels like this is almost like her first queer relationship. Which I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. This is like a wildly overdramatic horror version of that, but like. The amount of internalized homophobia that can come along with, like, finally having the kind of sex that maybe you wanted to have or that you the kind of connection that you've always wanted to have. Like, that's how this reads to me. It reads to me like she feels this guilt. She feels this uh, incredible remorse, obviously, but also she doesn't stop like she she needs it. Right. Like she needs to keep going. So I keep seeing every time I watch this movie, I keep seeing more and more kind of queerness in these characters, even though I know it's obviously it's it's a it's a dude and a lady here, but it almost feels like okay, that's all you could do in nineteen eighty seven. It had to be a dude and a lady, and it had to be weird kink, and it had to be murder, and it had to be all these things. But what's really going on here is people realizing they're different and they need different things, and uh, and in a very fucked up way, it's kind of tragic. <laughs> also, y'all can tell me if that's a fucking wild ass read and doesn't uh, sit with you. I'm also very okay with that as well. I I mean, it seems like a pretty reasonable read to me. I don't think it's necessarily like a one-to-one. I think it yeah. like it can also apply, like this experience can also apply to straight people. Sure. Um, sure. Who just like don't want the thing that sucks. Yeah. They want the thing that rules. Um, mm. <laughs> and they yeah. got a, one taste of the thing that rules, which in this case, I guess is anal. Um <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and they're like, no, this is the thing that rules. I got like, I had anal on my wedding dress with my future brother-in-law and it was sick. <laughs> it's right. It was on the wedding dress. Oh it God, was on the wedding right. dress. Classic, which is a yeah. classic like cuckold fetish trope. Like yeah. old, tale as old as time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like she gets, she got a taste of the one of the cool, of the cool sex. Yeah. And then had to be married to this boring guy. Yeah. And then, like, now she has a chance from, and that, that, like, the actual tragedy of Julia is that, like, she could have just not married Larry and yeah. been like, Frank, you're kind of a dick, or you're kind of a dick. Guess what? Like, a lot of people can do anal. I can just like go do this on yes. my own. Yes, and not have to be with either of these terrible brothers. A hundred percent. Like a hundred percent. But instead, she does the hard, the much, the much harder version—the uphill battle of rebuilding an undead guy <laughs> by murdering a bunch of dudes. By murdering a bunch mm-hmm. of boring dudes and feeding them to him, so that maybe they could do anal again one day. Yep. When he stops hurting, when his nerves stop hurting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like super horny for him, and like once he gets, once she, he like, like it's gross, and she's grossed out, but she's also psyched. Yeah. She's so, so into like, it. You so maybe she in the performance. Maybe this is her thing. Oh, maybe. It maybe is. she can't go to just like a regular live person. Maybe it's like it's got to be Frank. It's got to be undead Frank and his viscera. Yeah. I don't know. Like the way the actors are sort of like grabbing each other's hands, the way they did in the like hot hotty hot scene from way earlier. Like yeah, all doing the mouth the same touching motion, the mouth stuff, and the finger. Like it's all the exact yeah. same. She is real into it. So, yeah, she might just like him better without his skin. I don't know, you know? Which is like, if you're if you're looking at, you know, 
the kind of his like scholarship on horror and horror and monstrosity as a queer thing. That's like, yes, no, this is all classically like that's, that is how this, that that's, you are not the, it's not an unreasonable reading at all. Thank you. I don't think, I think it's a very like, yeah, queer monstrosity. There's a lot. I mean, I don't know how to read, but if I did, <laughs> I would be able to tell you about all kinds of books about that. <laughs> It's extremely fair. Merritt, how about you? How do you how do you find all of this? And there also is, of course, a scene just after we get a little bit more Cenobite uh exposition. So if if you don't feel much about this one, we could we could also talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I know. Let's let's uh let's move on. Awesome. Uh so we do get a little bit more Cenobite exposition right after this. Uh Frank starts telling Julia about them, and we get this these little flashes of Cenobites, uh, and we get a little bit of this pleasure and pain uh rhetoric and a little bit of the you know they can't tell the difference between pleasure and pain or it's so extreme that it doesn't matter uh and so on and so forth and it's and it's just absolutely uh a little delicious treat of of more cenobites because we haven't seen them since the beginning and this is god 45 minutes or so into the movie at this point so we get a little bit of that uh did y'all want to talk about this at all or we want to move on to the pet store let's go let's go to the pet store where the uh the enticing cricket eating <laughs> briefly and this is not you know the most important part of the movie but it is interesting and it does set up some things that uh we we have kirsty going to a pet store she sees her cute uh innocent boyfriend uh and then of course uh we see this man that she did see earlier uh this creepy man with a creepy man beard uh who will become uh, important towards the very very end of the film in this kind of middle section, we get a whole bunch more deaths. I guess I'll, I'll move along a little bit here. Uh, we get a few more Julia killing guys, um, and and it comes a little bit faster. It gets a little bit easier for her to do the killings uh, kind of as, as time goes along. She even tries to kill Larry kind of at one point. She, like, brings him into the attic. Uh, she's like, I'm scared. There's something in the attic. And, and, you know, Larry's like, oh, it's probably a rat, which is just the fucking – he's just – there are rats on nails here. It's a lot. Uh, there's just a lot of like very horror tropes. There's a lot of like lightning and thunder and, and goofy shit. <sighs> there is the awful no sex scene between uh, Larry and Julia, which is really uncomfortable to watch as well. Uh, do either of you want to talk about that scene? All right, we could just move on. It's it sucks. It sucks to look at. I hate it. Uh, it's really awkward and bad. Oh, I mean, where like where Frank comes in and she thinks and like Frank is going to kill him and then she has to like beg Frank not to. Yeah. But it seems like mm. she's but she's also begging Larry to like not do sex because yep. she's freaked out. And then he acts weird, but she's just like literally saved his life. Yeah. And it's just gnarly and, and gross. Yeah. And then it's like, <sighs> yeah. And it like it does suck. They both. And that's like that's I feel like is the ultimate like thesis of these both these dudes suck is yeah they're, they're bad they both fucking suck <laughs> they're both bad these are shitty brothers who suck you know uh we get to the point where kirsty basically walks in on uh frank starting to become frank he's a he's still a juicy mummy man uh and he starts talking to her like oh it's been so long uh <laughs> which is a really weird thing to start saying uh, there's some pretty gross ancestral like uh vibes here basically uh where he's like oh you know you're you're looking so good don't kid yourself nothing to be afraid of all these yeah he's a creepazoid he he talks about (laughs) yeah i know he's creeping on his niece it's it's gnarly yeah Yeah, it's not great 
it's not super great. Uh, she kind of twists his heart, I think, is like the the connotation here that like she's able to get away from him uh, because he like uh, is still sort of weak. But she touches the lament configuration importantly here uh, and she starts to kind of figure out what's going on again faster than anybody else, which again makes me think like, is Kirsty a little touched? Like does she have a little bit of a little bit of the supernatural going on with her. Or does she just know that her dad and her uncle just kind of suck and she's just faster than anybody else to figure shit out? She throws the lament configuration out the window uh, and I think she, not long after this, like she sort of walks and passes out, uh, like thinking about Frank and ends up in a hospital, uh, which is which is a gnarly ass thing. Uh, to kind of have happen. And any thoughts here on, on this sort of segment of Julia, not Julia, sorry, Kirsty starts to suffer for the limit configurations, uh, hellish ways. I mean, I've, what I have a lot of enthusiasm about is this part in the hospital. So, yeah. all right, let's talk about it. Do you want to take us into that? Sure. Yeah. So Kirsty wakes up in the hospital. There's this like scary doctor guy who's like, oh, well, blah, 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 blah. what's going on? He's really judgmental. And he's like, maybe you should work on this puzzle box and you can think about things. And she's freaked out. And he locks her in there. And so she starts playing with uh, Le Marchand's box and, uh, or Lament Configuration, the puzzle thing. Uh, and uh, opens, you know, she solves it. It's sick. Uh, it opens like a portal to this like cool hallway dimension where there's a big monster. Yeah, like uh, a, whose a name... weird like penis worm monster sorta. Maybe? Yeah, with like a stinger, and it's like a little bit of a baby giant fleshy <laughs> gross thing. Yeah, uh, and she goes ah, and then she and then you know goes back in. He's gone, and then the sickest shit ever happens. Every I mean, like several things in this movie are the sickest shit ever, but this part is the sickest shit ever. For real. Which yeah. is, there's like this scary TV in the room and it's all staticky. And I guess she's watching like the channel that just shows like f- flowers opening and it vibing, um, yeah. which is the channel I want to watch all the time. But yeah, it's just these like cool shots of flowers opening and static, static, static. And like the tiles on the walls turn black and there's just, and there's they start glowing and, shit, yeah. and there's smoke and Blood starts coming into the IV drip and then it explodes. Then the Cenobites show up and I'm just like screaming because it's the coolest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen this movie so many times and I pop so hard every time. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Mary, what do you think of this, uh, this section here? Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's good. I like when the walls move. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they go into the, the world. Um, and, um, yeah, she makes that. She cuts a deal with them. Yeah, I uh, love the cutting a deal part. Yeah, yeah, and because um, yeah, they're ready to take her. They're psyched. They're, they're like, real you, horny you about did the Kirstie. box. We're gonna. You, you did it. We have such sights to show you. Um, <laughs> yeah, we get all the She's channels like, Wait. in hell. We get all of them. <laughs> Do we get all the flower vibing channels? We get all the flower vibing channels. We have such sites to show you of the the, thing, the the tv channel just sick just sick like practical effects yeah like that's what the sites we have to show you just the coolest mm-hmm. shit you've ever seen in your life she's like no i don't want to see that i like i like my astro boyfriend <laughs> i like my pet shop job um yeah. what how about this do you ever torture a dude named frank cotton 
because he escaped. And they're like, no, fuck him. He never escaped. And she's like, he did. And I will show it to you. I will show him to you. And if he confesses, then you have to take him and not me. And I'm all right. And you leave me alone forever. And they're yeah. like, sure, whatever. It's really That's what good. They say. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, pinhead, sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sure, whatever. I, I love the line of uh, don't cry. It's a waste of good suffering because it feels oh, very yeah. earnest. Like, even though I know it's like horror movie monster thing to say, it actually, the delivery, of course, um, from Doug Bradley, it just feels like actually very earnest. Like, no, please. Like, I want. He's passionate about his work. He's he's not a monster, but he's not doing this like for the pension, you know? Yeah. Mm. Like, he's not doing this for the health care. He's doing this because he loves it. I think he really does. And the creature design just. I just love it. It's really iconic. It's really good. It's really uh, tactile, I guess. Yeah. Uh, not meaning to be joking. It actually like, really is. Like, the yeah. texture of it is great. It's, uh, yeah, just good shit. I, I, the aesthetics of this movie, the, it all just works for me on so many levels, and I go nuts for it. Um, yeah. Like, okay, wait. I know we have to move along, but like, who's your favorite Cenobite? <laughs> well, uh, your your choices are, by the way, it's Chatterbox, it's Penhead, it is quote female Cenobite, <laughs> the girl, the girl one, uh, yeah, <laughs> the girl one, and uh, a Butterball Cenobite. That's how they're officially listed, apparently. Yeah, in, in I'm Butterball Ken. Yeah, mm. obviously, like. <sighs> Little sunglasses, kind of in the background, but like holding it down with vibes. That's me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really good. I like the good. chatterer. I like the teeth. The teeth one. Yeah. When it's yeah. just like, like it just kind of like that's its whole thing. <laughs> you know, if it, it, it figured that out early and was like, listen, Pinhead, you can take sort of the lead. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna like do this to punctuate things once in a while, and people will get creeped out by it. Yeah, it's such a good. That's like a. That's like the, like you know the like the hype man in a rap crew who just kind of mm. like goes yeah, kind of the flavor and like gets the crowd going of like the of the center. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like that's the that is a really good job to have, and yeah, I think yeah. like it's probably pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember anybody's names? Yes. What about you, Danielle? Oh, God. Well, you know, my answer is going to be so fucking boring. I, I always like the girl one of everything. So ugh. I know I am a Cenobite, but I'm, I'm sorry that I have to say that I also like like in every video game I played as a young child, I always play as the girl. So the, you know. the girl one's cool. Like, it just sucks that her name's the girl one. I know. Like, it's yeah. really, she's awesome. It's, it's Probably because they were like, they were like, you cannot call her pussy neck. In the credits. <laughs> and Cloud's like... They took that out, it, too! They're, Cloud is like, no, but that's her name! And they're like, no, 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 no. You cannot... No British accents, no anal, and you cannot call this character Pussy Neck. Oh, my God. <laughs> if only they could... <sighs> so... Yeah. I yeah, just got the cool piercings. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm it's, glad it, we're on board with our favorite Cenobites. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really good. And it is, of course, I think just a great moment as well for Kirsty to show that she's the smartest fucking person here because uh, she figures shit out faster than anybody else. And also is just more on top of things. Kirsty goes back to the house. And now we're in we're into the like final uh, 20 minutes here or so. Kirsty goes back to the house. Julia has finally fucked Frank. He was strong enough to fuck. He's now wearing uh, a, t- <laughs> t- some, a face 
uh, it, there is a, a moment of, uh, you know, confusion about whether uh, Andrew Robinson or Larry, sorry, I, could, I would never say Andrew Robinson is as boring as Larry. Uh, it's kind of taken over their, his body at this point. Oh, he um, cut his, no, I mean, he took his skin off. He took his skin off. Like, let's yeah. not mince words. He did take his skin. Yeah, he just tore it right off and put it right on. You know, that's that's what happened here. Uh, like the ultimate, uh, like the ultimate younger sibling being like, oh, can I borrow your cool jacket? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm an only child. So I'm, I've only seen this in like movies and stuff. But I feel like that's a thing. And yeah. they're like, oh, Larry, your skin's so cool. Can I borrow it? I promise I won't ruin it. And Larry's like, fuck you. You're the worst. You're so annoying. Frank's like, okay, you're dead now. Let me just pour your, your skin real quick, Larry. <sighs> I just need Don't to bogart your skin. <laughs> let, me just bar, let me just bar that real quick. Don't bogart your skin. <laughs> Come on, mom said it's my turn on your skin. <laughs> God. Oh, fuck. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and of course, we get our fucking come to daddy moment here, which is a lot. It's a lot. There's so much here. What I'm a sure. bummer way to realize your dad's dead. Right when yeah. your creepy uncle's wearing his skin and then hits on you, that's Not like the, ideal. Oh, like again, like really <laughs> bad, really a bad time. Yeah, I agree. Poor Kirsty again, kind of the smartest person in this movie. Although, to be honest, I don't think intelligence is any kind of problem with Julia. She just she just couldn't get enough of that that Frank D. I mean, let's be honest. That's that's what's going on here, and. uh after after this kind of happens, we get to our our sort of freaky deaky horror um, horror movie uh, chasing each other around a house kind of stuff is going on. But in in this case, the Cenobites are also here. Uh, Frank, in of course, in uh, Larry's skin, also kills Julia with a nothing personal, which is also nothing teleports behind you. Nothing personal, kid. <laughs> Sucks. It's, it's, it's so much. It's so much. He's just an evil man being evil kind of at this point. But we're already like fucking look, the gloves have been off for an hour and 20 minutes at this point. And now the gloves have have come off and the skin has come off. So it's really just anything goes at this point. The Cenobites are here and they save Kirstie. The deal is coming, is is coming. I love this scene. Does uh, LB or Mary, do you want to talk about this scene where the Cenobites finally come for Frank? Jesus wept, baby. <laughs> Jesus wept. Jesus uh, I'm going to get wept. torn apart by hooks again. <laughs> That's what he says. Because he Ow. confesses. He's like, I killed your dad. And um, <laughs> then they're like, uh-oh, you did it. Um, but then the Cenobites are like, yeah, well, why don't we just take you two? Because, you know. We we might as well get two for one. We've altered yeah. the deal. Pray we do not alter it any further. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But then she figures out the box, and Christy's boyfriend just like shows up again, <laughs> and is never seen again. <laughs> Maybe later on, but in the sequel, he's never seen or mentioned again. I don't think he ever. I don't think he shows up in the other ones. Let me let me check. I thought Steve he was. Hellraiser. It might not be the same actor, but I. Isn't there a boyfriend in the second one at the beginning? Maybe not. I thought she just has her, like, hospital girlfriend. Oh, maybe. I'm pretty sure he is not. He just is never mentioned again. Like, he just disappears. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye, Steve. I mean, like, honestly, his band must take off. Yeah. Like, they must they get a hit. 
you know? Yeah. Like, he just goes on a tour in Australia or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he, like, leaves the band and becomes a touring member of a different band. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It could, that could it happen. Happens. That yeah. stuff happened in the late 80s. Oh. That's oh, true. I mean, listen, like, a supportive, easy-to-be-around, trusting synth player? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're worth their weight in gold. I mean, especially as the house is coming down around you, right? Like, the whole house comes down. Um, yeah. and, uh, and like, he was there for her. You know, you could say he played the right notes as the, as the boring, trusting boyfriend. Uh, but, but it is beautiful. And then, of course, we do get the little teaser at the end. Uh, we get creepy, <laughs> creepy man. So the, the house is gone. The Cenobites are gone. Kirstie had figured out, of course, the lament configuration and does that really cool neon, uh, uh, visual effect. Uh, and then, uh, creepy man burns in a fire and becomes like a, a dragon insect hell thing, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Uh, does somebody want to talk about the the skeleton dragon here? Uh, the when the fucking like creepy dude who has just been kind of lurking around watching with big soulful eyes. Uh, catches on fire and then turns into a big skeleton dragon and flies away with the lament configuration. And I just, and I say once more, this is the sickest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else is there to say? It's the sickest shit I've ever seen. Like, why, like I don't know why this happens. It's so mm-hmm. like fantastical and de- like delightful. It's not scary. It's like silly but not silly in a laughing at it way, silly in, in like a wondrous way. Like the world, mm. like you do have such sights to show me, such as this shit right here that I'm looking at <laughs> that I fucking love because it is a skeleton dragon bat that used to be a dude on fire and took the demonic Rubik's Cube and is flying away with it at the end of the movie. <laughs> what I genuinely love about this, other than of course, like the visuals are incredible, is that it this just like... The dude who, like, owns the Lament configuration or, like, rents it or whatever. Like, this is his whole fucking scandal. Like, all he does, it gives this to a horny man or horny person who can't get enough. And then, like, after that wreaks havoc on on this person, he just gets his dragon to go get it back. Like, that's it. Like, that's his whole hustle, this dude. Like, he's probably Mm -hmm. getting so rich off of his hustle. Did... Oh, wait, did people buy it from him? Like, did, did Frank actually buy it? Or is he just like, this belongs yeah. to you? He gave him a ton of money. With his, like, dirty oh, fingernails, okay. he gives him a ton of yeah. money. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I just always focus on his nasty nails. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the whole thing is he's a sex guy, you know? And it's just like. Right. He's dirty. Uh, he's a dirty boy. Wash your hands. You have to really wash those hands. Yep. 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 Hands, because, hands gloves my friend hands and gloves like wash them, oh wash gross them. gross gross also very exciting news about you know the big fleshy demon yeah from the hallway guess what that guy's name is what's his name isn't it the engineer the engineer yeah oh, yeah it's so cool <laughs> what the engineer that's so good like a train engineer because he's like rolling like a train Choo-choo. kind of thing so like he's from in the, the pain book. train in the book, he does not look like that. He's just like this, like he's the actual boss of the Cenobites. Oh, shit. And he like possesses stuff and he's like this kind of flash of light. Um, but, okay, here's the wiki. It says, 
In the film Hellraiser, the engineer is a demon which prowls the corridors of hell. The engineer <laughs> resembles an amalgamation of various animals. And hmm. uh, yeah. It ba- she banishes it back to hell. And then I think it just never shows up again, looking like this. They hmm. call other stuff the engineer and refer to the engineer. Huh. Uh, but this is the only appearance of it. Like in this weird fleshy form. Yeah. But yeah, and in, in the book, it like... A, I haven't read the book in a really long time, but apparently it possesses Julia's head and speaks through her. Cool. Oh, shit. That's cool as hell. Yeah. I'm wiggling my fingers in a spooky way. Ooh. <laughs> wiggling my fingers all over the lament configuration in a spooky way. Uh, wiggling my like, <laughs> I'm also now thinking about Frank. I'm like, oh, how clean are my nails? Do I need to trim my nails? Like, I'm not gross. <laughs> I wash my hands a lot because it's the COVID times. Yeah. It's good to watch your look like I think no matter what else in the universe that we get from this film, it's all it, it's good to wash your hands. Let's just like put it hands. That way. like keep your hands clean. You know, it's good for you. It's good for anybody that you may be, uh, you know, intimate with. Like, it's just good in general for these things. Also, like, can you imagine? OK, so, you know, got the skeleton flying guy. Yeah. Do you think he's the guy who has to clean up? the box every time oh shit just like wipe it down and like i don't know if you've ever cleaned like a rubik's cube but you do have to like like gunk gets between all the pieces so you have to like kind of move it around and like really get in there i knew a guy once who was like a competitive rubik's cuber um and he like cleaning was a process you have to take the whole thing apart so like rubbing alcohol like do you use that for that or okay I think so, yeah. Unless, but like, I don't know what's the material. What material is the Marchand's box? Like, yeah, maybe like white vinegar would be. That's like okay. a good non-harsh cleaning. Yeah, you. I feel like you had also mentioned like you knew a lot about cleaning. Spl- was this from your like art background and and knowing how to like clean certain? Because it might have been on fan fight that you mentioned something about this recently about like cleaning stoves and cleaning areas of. Yeah. Anyway. It's, no. it's important. Keep your shit clean, you know? Like, that's just generally, just keep your shit clean. That's, like, a very good thing. Do I know we're running a little long here. Um, and, of course, for a 90-minute movie, we're, we're close to 80 at this point. I guess we're in the 70s, uh, which is always good. I always appreciate that. Any final thoughts that folks have about this incredible movie and uh, revisiting it uh, often, apparently? <laughs> I have one final thought, but I would very selfishly like to go last. Yeah, of course. Uh, Merritt, would you like to would you like to go first? Um God, yeah, I don't know. Uh it's a it's a great horror flick. I feel like even with all the compromises that had to be made to get this released, uh it still is a lot of fun. And any movie that's just driven by people being horny is very funny to me. Um, <laughs> this wouldn't have happened if nobody was horny. That's the moral that I take away from this. Movie. <laughs> yeah, if we all just had no sex drive, none of this would have happened. Me, me looking, fine. me looking at at Frank and Julia uh, in class, getting distracted by the Hellraisers while I'm learning. It's <laughs> true. Oh, it's true. It's true. I like that. Um. For for my own part, I, again, all time an all time favorite. It's like a, a top five for me, definitely top ten. I, I think a top five for me. Um, 
I love it. I think it's a beautiful examination of uh, of kink and queerness uh, it, it, and what you could say at all about it at the time and put it in a mainstream movie and sell fucking action figures eventually and make nine fucking sequels. And really, like, this actual core movie is a really, I think, fun and amazing and also, like, has these deep little seeds of tragedy in terms of, like, people just wanting to be what they are and they can't be. And that's, like, very intensely sad to me even though it's wrapped up in this delicious package of incredible visual effects and like wild, just wild uh, visuals. So yeah, love it to death. Love it past death. I even love the sequel. That's how much I love this. And yeah, LB, I, I, I bet you got something. I, I know you've got something, LB. Okay, well, first off, my own thoughts. I love this movie. I love talking to you both about this movie. Uh, <laughs> Danielle, I think you would really enjoy Clive Barker's uh, short like horror fiction the books of blood are like very yeah. much the vibe that you just described as liking about hellraiser yeah. um but i'm actually gonna uh quote one of my favorite movie critics uh this is kid 10 years old uh posting on commonsense.org in on june 16th 2013 <laughs> kid 10 years old rates hellraiser age 11 and up four stars good horror movie good movie good blood Good gore. I'm 10 and I love it. This title contains positive messages, sexy stuff, positive role models, language, violence and scariness. Thank you, kid 10. I can't, I couldn't say it better myself. So I didn't. Thank you, kid 10 years old. It has all these elements, you know, it has everything you'll ever need uh, in a movie. On that note, uh, I think I'm going to read our, our exit language here. I was going to say intro language. That's not what it is. It's exit. It's exit uh, exit song to a film here. Thank you all so very much. Uh, and we hope you enjoyed your cinematic journey with us. Please do rate and review the podcast. It helps us so very much. And we really do appreciate it. Uh, and tell a friend. You know, tell that friend who, who just can't get enough. Tell them about Hellraiser. And also tell them about our podcast. Uh, you can listen to all of our shows at fanbite.com slash podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media. On TikTok at Fanbyte. And of course, on fanbyte.com. And you can watch all of our very good streams on twitch.tv slash fanbite. Thank you, of course, to Jordan Mallory, our incredible producer, uh, for producing, for being here with us, uh, for uh, making us sound good, and all of the other things. Merritt, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Merritt K. Awesome. LB, how about you? Uh, I'm also on Twitter, at Hunk Tears. And if anybody felt the need to follow me, I am at Danielle R.I. on Twitter. And with that... You love to scream it. <laughs> <laughs>